Welcome. You're listening to Sanseat. Where you'll find everything to do with spirituality, life lessons, holistic living, and medicine. To become your true self. We all have stories, journeys, experiences, and love. Here's your host, Erin O'Dowd. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Sanseet. My name is Aaron O'Dowd. On today's show, we have Sophia Axelsson. She is originally from Sweden. She is an author, calls herself a magic worker, and likes learning about dynamic traditions. In the last 10 years, she discovered the Norse tradition. And in her books that she has written, they are about the Norse ruins, tradition, gods, and she explains more about this in the interview. And her ability to find magic as her language to communicate and for her to understand the world around her. Hello Sophia and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. How are you today? Well, this day is a fine day. I have a lot of time to, to deal with my writing and my spirituality and that feels good. Oh, that's, that's excellent. And describe to us how you got interested in holistic health or spirituality or where did it begin for you? It is, of course, one of these big questions. You might as well ask, uh, how, how have your life story been? So I'll try to keep it as brief as I can. Uh, but I think for me, spirituality and as you say, holistic health, which is part of it, it's not so much something that I stumbled onto and thought that, oh yes, this is it. It was more, it was more that we go back a bit. When I was very young, uh, I lived on the countryside with a big extended family and I was the youngest. Uh, I had a lot of freedom and spent a lot of time in the forest uh, and, and in the grounds around there. and. As all children do, of course, talk to my imaginary friends that I today more see as spirits. When, when, when the world crashed in as it does for, for all, as it do for all children, uh, I more felt that this worldview that most of the world has isn't, isn't really enough for me. It felt very tight. I didn't really like the roles that were were set up on me. Uh, and I tried to find a language for this and a way to go about this. And with time, I was a big reader and still am. Uh, I found all these books about uh, symbolism and Jungian psychology and, and uh, uh, shamanistic techniques. Uh, and I, I felt that, okay, so this is my last language. This is the way I see the world. This suits me. So I guess I already had it, but coming into adulthood, I more had to find an adult language to describe what I experienced uh, as being the world. And, and the world for me has always been very multi-layered. 
it is not only what we can see and touch, but but also all these dimensions of spirits and the unseen. Uh, eventually, I stumbled onto witchcraft, modern witchcraft, and paganism, and uh, I felt that there I, I I could find a language and a way to relate that suited me, and I also had other people who, who had the same worldview, which is always nice, of course. And so, yes, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Through your, your life, you just say you discovered books and language. Why did you have to discover language to speak adults, or were you seeing things that you couldn't explain, or just explain a bit about that to us? I think we all need a way to explain our worldview, if not for anything else, for ourselves. But it also becomes difficult to live in the world if we don't have a language to explain the way we view the world. And I think that the world me is a big system of unseen forces, and seen forces, of course. My dream world is just as important to me as my waking world. And it took me some time to realize that this wasn't the case for, for all people. All people are naturally spiritual, but we have different ways to approach this. So, so for me, it was of course a way to be able to communicate with other people, not denying parts of myself, but being honest with how I view world. I think we all need a language for that, whatever our problem, whatever our beliefs are. During childhood, were you experiencing, let's just say, out-of-the-box experiences, or were you able to explain to your family, or just give us a bit about what was it like to have an imaginary friend or experiencing out-of-the-box through childhood, and looking back as an adult, could you say, yeah, that shaped me who I am, or so on? I've heard people who say that I, I had these dreams about this aunt and then it, it turned out that uh, she had died and I had dreamt about it. I didn't have experience like that. I don't think that I had to explain my worldview because my, my family was very permissive and they, they, they let me, me do my stuff. I don't think that they thought about it in any other way that I, I was very imaginative child and, and they let me do my thing I didn't actually have to explain my my way of viewing the world I could just which I today as an adult can see as a great privilege it wasn't actually until I was starting growing up that I realized that expanded kind of worldview if you want to put it that way was not something that everybody had so because of that I can't say that it was this experience or this experience. It was just something that I lived in. I'm sure that the adults around me just viewed this as a child with a great imagination and nothing else than that. Or maybe a little strange and odd. But as I said, they, they let me do my thing, so, so I wasn't questioned. I think that that was a great privilege. I, I have heard of others who, who have had adults around them that have gotten scared or, or, or put down different kind of ideas about the world. But I never had that, so I was very lucky. Fantastic. And what is modern day magic or witchcraft comparing to what we read through periods of history? Is it different or is it the same? 
But what witchcraft was and what it is. Yeah, is it the same or is it different? I think it's both. I think we have an old tradition over the world where we have a very natural connection to the world and the spiritual world. But witchcraft of today, if we talk about modern witchcraft of today with Vizca and all that, is of course a reconstructed kind way of viewing the world. It, it has to be, I think, because we don't have, in Western society, we don't have this linear tradition to, to base our belief system in, so we have had to reconstruct it, and many people have. I don't necessarily think that that is a bad thing. Uh, I think that spirituality should always be a way of connecting to the world as it is today. Uh, we have a lot of challenges today in our society, and witchcraft, of course, and paganism is only one way to view the world and, and, and try to deal with all these challenges. I think these reconstructed belief systems that we see in the Western world, because it's, it's different in other parts of the world, right? But mm -hmm. I, think, I think it's pretty sound that, that there was a breakdown and now we have to build them up again, because that makes us aware of how we can use them in our society today. So you're from Sweden and you're kind of in, the, in the, the Viking area of Norse and Scandinavia. Do you practice um, Norse magic or are your magic associated one place in the world or many places? Or just explain to us a bit about that. I think that's a very interesting question. When I started off with de dealing with and playing with the pagan belief system, I was very eclectic. But eventually, I kind of felt a pull towards the, the, the old Norse mythology and the old Norse magic. Uh, this is some years ago now. And I think that that had to do with the simple fact that I lived where it had been practiced for a long time. The Norse goddesses especially kind of started to talk to me and they wanted some attention. And it suited me very fine because I, I, for one, thought that we need more female gods, more goddesses as role models for modern women, for, for women of today. So I went into that thread quite a bit. I wrote a book about that as well. Also, pagan belief system are very earthbound. So we work with the environment that we have around us. And the Old Norse mythology then deals with environments that I had around then, with the winters and, and the celebration of the sun, the brief period we have, and all of that. So it kind of made sense to me to dwell into the Old Norse belief system because I was living there. It, it was, and it is created for that environment. And with that, I don't mean that you can't bring it with you. I do think you can bring God and belief system with you to other places than where it is. But it, it was really good for me to, to have a belief system that I could work with that was suited to the environment where I was. That kind of made it deeper somehow. It is, I, differently that you can pray to 
Pele, the Hawaiian goddess of volcanoes, if you're in Scandinavia. But it becomes a little bit weird when you don't have that environment around you and you don't have the actual volcanoes, right? Yeah. So for me, at, at the time in my life, it made more sense to, to talk to Scotty, for example, who is the god of the winter, when I had all these long winters to deal with. Um, so it suited me there for a while. Now I have been traveling and living abroad for some time, the last year, and therefore my spiritual practice has also changed. Right now, being in Virginia, I am more interested in what spirits live here, uh, what, what belief system has, has been prevalent here, and, and how do I connect that, and how do I deal with that. I would like to add, though, that, and this is just my personal experience, that some gods uh, and some spirits seem more open to moving than others. But this is just my personal experience. So even uh, some time ago when I was traveling in Mexico and even being here in Virginia, the one god that's actually been with me all this time is Odin. And I thought about that. I couldn't really figure out why does he keep showing up. But then. When I thought a bit about it, he is the wandering God. He is the traveling God. So that, that kind of made sense. I think that he enjoys traveling with me, or moving with me and being in us, because that is in his nature. I also been writing on a book about the runes, the old magic sounds, signs of, of the old Norse, and because he's bound to the runes, that is also another reason why he sticks around. So I think everybody has to have their own uh, idea about this and their own experiences about what gods and what spirits fit in different kind of environments. But this is this is my experience that uh, uh, when I was living in Sweden, it was very good to work with the old North belief system uh, because it was simply there. Uh, but once I started to move more and being in other countries, uh, it made more sense to me to, to show an interest in the belief system and the spirit that was there. But then again, it, it seems like some of the gods like traveling more than others. <laughs> People listening and are thinking, what is Norse? Just explain about a bit about the mythology or who, who just is new to this and they're hearing this and thinking, what are they talking about? When I say the Old Norse mythology and, and Old Norse belief system, we have to understand several things. It, it, it is a very generic term for the Scandinavian area and, and the mythology and belief system that has been and I think that most people think about the Vikings, uh, which is perfectly fine. For me, it goes further back than that. Uh, the Vikings are included in it. The most prevalent gods that you usually hear about is Odin, of course, and Thor, and Frey. Uh, it is this whole pantheon built up at, at all parts of the world uh, to explain the world, how it is, how it is born, how it functions what powers are working in it. It is simply the, the basic old belief system that has been prevalent in Scandinavia. There are other ones, of course, like the Sami, which is the indigenous people of Scandinavian area. 
some people think that these lists are very mixed together. There is a discussion about that. I'm not going to go into the academic discussion, discussion about that. But the Old North belief system is just like any belief system in, in all communities. And, and some parts around the world, these are very alive still, where you have a whole pantheon of guards, you have spirits, you have uh, ceremonies to understand and deal with the natural world, really. In Scandinavia, of course, because Christianity in, and it's in so many countries, or, or sometimes other religions, Old Norse mythology was pushed aside. But today, a lot of people are working with reconstruction, uh, re re reconstructing these belief systems. They've become different then, right? But I think it's fun. Uh, and I think it's pretty sound that we, we, we look at and try to delve into what has been practiced, what has been believed, what kind of worldview have people had in this area where I live. Uh, and that's what I try to do and that is what a lot of other people have tried to do and have tried to do with the old North belief system. I have figured out, I, I knew that before I came to the States, but it has become more obvious to me now that there is an interest in, in the old North mythology and the, the old North belief system that, that has been very much exported to the States. Uh, people here seem very interested in, in this, and, and, and I find that kind of fascinating. I don't know why that is, but uh, it is fun to see how something that was in a certain area for a very long time now exported to, to different parts of the world. For me, as I said, it was me more that these gods and spirits reached out to me and it, it, it felt like, like a good thing to do to respond to that. Also, again, reconstructed because we don't know, of course, how they lived or how uh, these people a long time ago exactly what, what they believed. We can, we can only guess. But for me, the Old Norse magic became very real when I encountered sage, which is an Old Norse magic practice, a group practice. And that was more about me meeting powers and meeting a certain kind of magic rather than reading up about it. And the sage is a group practice where you try to bring in into your body, the person that is doing the channeling, if you would like to, to use that word, a spirit or a god, perhaps, from the land. This, this kind of magic was very, very powerful to me, and I worked with that for, for many years. And I think that the most powerful way to connect these old belief systems, wherever they are, is to find a way in where you can actually meet the spirits and gods and talk to them yourself. And for me, that because I was where I was, that happened to be the old North one. But I think that that is the same over the world, wherever you are. That you, you can find ways through magic practices to connect to these old belief systems. And for me, it just happened to be the old North belief system because that's where I was. Do you do ceremonies throughout the year if the moons come or if the tide changes? Do you do you have a particular set of time of year where you do ceremonies or are there a set of ceremonies you do? 
I do ceremonies all the time. At this point in my life, I can only differ between when I do ceremonies and when I don't do ceremonies. It, because I have had the privilege these last 10 months not being allowed to work because of immigration in the States. I have had a life now where, where my whole day is a kind of ceremony. Uh, that will not last forever, of course. Eventually, I will have to, as everybody else, get back to the world and, and, and deal with the more mundane world. And when you deal with the more mundane world, the ceremony, for me, uh, was and will be very important to be able to deal with this world. Now, these ceremonies, try to, try to keep to your question a little bit more <laughs> thoroughly, can be uh, connected to the moon, they can be connected to the cycle of the year, uh, they can be connected to something that is going on uh, time-wise. But when I started off with paganism, I was more in detail trying to follow. Now it's the full moon, and then you do this according to these books, or, or now it's, it's midsummer, and then you do this. But I have become a little bit more loose with that with time, because I just allow the year and the cycles and everything that happens to work with me rather than me trying to construct something. I can always find what I need in the moment. So a ceremony can be for me to wake up in the morning, light a little incense and a candle and ask the spirits to be with me that day for whatever I want to do and create and to give thanks for everything I have. And that is a very simple but a very powerful ceremony. I like ceremonies to be in every day, in my everyday life, and I use them for several things, but I use them mostly, I think, to connect to the unseen powers around me, but also to connect to things within me and remind myself what is important. And then these practical things that I do, and a lot of other people do when they do ceremony, they become a support for that, whether it's singing or, or lighting candles or incense or having a certain structure around a ceremony if you do it with others. All that is just the support for connect. Connect with yourself, connect with the powers, finding yourself what's important and trying to be in some kind of flow with life. So ceremonies, yes, to answer your question, uh, I do ceremonies all the time. <laughs> and people associate with magic and and you know with a uh, witch's hat and the cauldron is that what modern witchcraft is today or is it a, as like any sort of meditation and witchcraft is as i said a reconstructed thing and and some people that work with modern witchcraft keep very very loyal or traditional in in that this is what witchcraft is it's supposed to be the cauldron it's supposed to be uh, praying to the god is, or, or the god is you're supposed to do it this way. When I started off, I think I used those kind of symbols more than I use today. Now they have become more integrated. I like to play with the classic witch symbols because there is a certain kind of power in them and they are also, well, simply they're fun. 
it's it, it nice to, to use my special broom that I have created when I sweep the floor and do a ceremony out of that. I like the cauldron. I, I, I like this whole witchcraft imagery and idea. I don't know if that holds any more power than any other kind of symbolic system. It suits me pretty fine to use some of this, but I also allow myself to be inspired by a lot of other symbolic systems. So I guess I, guess I have witchcraft as part of my mythology and my belief system, and I play with that imagery, but I certainly don't stay true to that this is the way you should do it. I use it very quickly and enhances my practices. But I am not Vicka. Uh, for me, witchcraft is not a religion. Uh, for me, witchcraft is just a language that I can use. Did that answer your question? It, it does. And Wicca, you, you said Wicca. Um, what is Wicca? Is it different than witchcraft or is it a ceremony? What is it? Oh, I don't even know if I'm the right person to answer that because I am not Wicca. So you should ask a person who is Wicca what it means to them. Wicca, mm. as far as I understand it, is a rather organized way to work with witchcraft imagery and, and witchcraft belief system. It's a pagan religion. It is a religion. Many people within Vicka work within covens. Uh, you're supposed to be in a coven for some time. There is a, it's a priestess or a priest that teach you certain things and ritual and ceremonies. So as far as I understand it, it is much more structured uh, than the way I work. And then there are people like me that sometimes choose to, to call ourselves witches, but our way of working is more loose and not as structured. Maybe a little bit more rebellious, I don't know. There are many versions of this, and somewhere along the line, I, I, I've understood when people work with this, is that they find, try to find their own definition. And for some people, it's very important to belong to a guy and belong to a big group that, that is if I understand it right, is one of the fastest growing religions in the world, which is kind of fun, right? Uh, but then there, then there are others who, who choose just as me to uh, define themselves as, as solitary and use the imagery, use the language, but not necessarily say that this is the way it's supposed to be, this is the tradition that I'm following. We're more, I am more experiment with it. How did your book come about and what's the title? Uh, my first book came about uh, at the same time as I was discovering Old Norse mythology. It's only written in Swedish so far. Uh, eventually I, I, I hope and plan to get it translated and I truly hope that that will come about. It is about the, the Old Norse goddesses. And the title, if I roughly translate it, is Norse goddesses everyday magic for women of today. And the reason I wrote it was that however much I, I admire people who reconstruct old Norse belief system in Sweden, I, I did find it a little, there was a lot of focus on the gods and, and it's a little bit sometimes a, a macho inspired uh, 
the lake system will honor and all that. And I, I didn't think that there was enough text about a room for the goddesses. And the, and the goddesses in, in the, the old North mythology is very diverse and, and very interesting. And it was a way for me to come closer to these forces, these female forces, that was more diverse than, than the idea about the goddess that we often get. We often get an idea about the goddess as something that has to do with fertility and love and being receptive. But if you look at the old Norse goddesses and many goddesses and many other mythologies, they are very diverse and, and they have all these different ways about them. They are certainly not very kind uh, all the time. And this was a way to map this for me, to, to see that there was this whole range of ways that the female force could present itself. We have everything from Heel, who is the death goddess, to Skadi, who is the huntress goddess, to Eden, that is the goddess, goddess of youth and, and a very playful one. And when I wrote about this, I published some of the texts. When I started writing about it, I didn't really have a plan with it. I, I published some texts on my blog, but there was a good response. And, and, and I felt that there seemed to be more people that, that lacked the language or didn't have enough about the old North goddesses. So, so eventually I decided to, to make a book out of it. I chose nine uh, of the goddesses that I, I found most important to me then uh, and wrote about them rather extensively, including rituals and ceremonies that you could, could do working together with them and, and most of all perhaps to use them as role models for different ways of being female rather than we do, I think, both for men and women that we have very limited roles of what we can be and I wanted more role models for that so I actually use the whole North goddesses as role models uh, and forces that, that we can look upon to see that there are very very many ways that we, we can work and be women in this case but the same would go for men right I thought of course having written my first book that it would be very tricky to get it published. And then a friend of mine who, who, who is very magical uh, said to me, oh, this little small publishing company, I think, I think you should contact them or her as it turned out to be because it was a one woman company, publishing company. And I got, I got a hit on, on the first contact I, I did and, and she wanted to publish it and, and we worked together to to edit this to make it into a readable and good book and, and then she did. So once I decided that it would be a book and that I wanted to publish it, it, it went pretty quick and was pretty easy for me to get it out there. Wow, and um, after that book did a second or third come? I published this one, if I'm not totally wrong, 2013 or 2012, or 2013 I think. No. So long after I published that one, I felt that I want to write another one and I talked to my publisher and we decided I would write another one. I traveled six months in Mexico, which gave me time, of course, to write again. And then the second book came about very quickly uh, as far as writing goes. And that book is, is about the rules. I called it The Wild, the wild Rules. There haven't been so many books 
in some time, published about the runes in Sweden. The ones that are there are very good, I think. But I wanted something that was a little bit more up-to-date, that was a little bit more queer and open-minded and it, it included people a bit more openly, uh, as I saw it. So I wrote this book about the rules when, when I was traveling. And uh, when I came back from, from Mexico, it was time for me and my publisher to, to edit this. Unfortunately, we're in the middle of the editing processes and just fixing the very last thing. But unfortunately, she became sick in the middle of this process. So the room book is in waiting. It had to, unfortunately, which is, is only because of practical reasons. So, so the book is done. I, of course, for many reasons, hope that my publisher will recover quickly and well and that we can get back to that book and get it published. Uh, but at this point, uh, that hasn't been an option. Where you're at in your life now and if you could look back, would you change anything or adjust anything? <laughs> you mean my life in general? Yeah, just like every, like where you're, you're currently are and if you could look back on your spiritual life, your human life or and other events that happened, would you change anything or adjust anything or just say, you know, I'm happy? Would I change it? That's a tricky question because when I look at my life, I can... It's easier, in hindsight, right, to see that one thing has led to another, and, and I'm very pleased with how things have developed. I can also see things in my life that I was hoping for and, and never thought would be possible, but it's a reality today. So, all in all, I am very pleased with how things have developed and very excited about my life. I'm very, very spoiled. I, I, I have had so many wonderful experiences. I have such great friends. My family is fantastic. My husband is fantastic. So I certainly have nothing, nothing to complain about. I am very happy about how things have, have come about. But I think if I'm totally honest with myself, the, the only things that if I could go back to my, my, my previous self and say anything would be, hey, relax, everything would be okay. Because we're always, we're always anxious about where we are, right? And, and, and we always, or maybe I should talk for myself, it's easy to, to, to think that you don't do enough or you don't do well enough. So, so, so the only thing I, I would, in, if I could change anything, it would be going back and say, everything will be well everything will will come about just the way it's supposed to be you can relax you're doing okay i always think that i should do more than i do which is not something that is exclusive to me obviously but but something that i think that it's very easy for us as human beings to always think that we have to do more and be more and i'm still working on that to just relax and enjoy what I have done and enjoy what I have and, and be good about that. So for me, it, 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 it has never been, and to take aid certainly is not my surroundings or, or what I have that, that is the problem. It, it's more that I put pressure on myself to do more and be more. That is the one thing that I would like to get my head around and I think I have today more than before. 
But if I would go back to my, my earlier self, I would certainly whisper that in her ear. It, it, it'll be all right. Everything comes about the way it should. <laughs> Excellent. And um, out of everything you learned up to today in your, your area, and if someone said to you, Sophia, explain something that you would share to, to me or to the audience or to, to a friend, what would it be? Oh, what would that be? Huh? That's a big question. Okay. I think it's really talking about the magic and what magic is, which is a very important concept to me, I think it is that for me magic is connection it is about knowing that we can talk to all the forces and the trees and everything around us all the time and that we have something in us that respond to that and i think the message then would be that we have this connection naturally we, we all have this ability we all can be magic beings really in the world we can all be the kids that are just playing around and, and that the world is a pretty fun place to be in uh, and we should i think allow ourselves to feel that we are magic and allow ourselves to feel that we can communicate with everything around us and not disconnect ourselves i understand when i say this and i hear myself that if you're not used to magic thinking, this might be a little hard to understand, but I, for the people that do this, they understand it perfectly. For people that don't do this, it may be a new way of, of, of seeing the world. But I think that most people understand it intuitively when they hear a message like that, that we all have a magic being inside of us that can connect to everything around us any moment if we just allow ourselves to do that and for me that is true magic for me that is living in the world with an expanded way of living and allowing yourself to to be a magic person really where can we find you or read about more or buy your book or well of course as i said before i always think i should have done more and one of the things that i really should have done the last month is creating a new web page because that one has been down for some time but i'm still working on that one so i don't have a web page but i do have a blog that i have been writing on since 2008 it is in swedish uh, but Google Translation works pretty fine for some friends of mine who are, are English speaking. Uh, and eventually, it is my plan to put up a web page where I have an English version of the blog as well. This blog is called textansen.blogspot.com. I will spell it out for you. That means witch dance, which is the name of my blog. <laughs> it's textansen.blogspot.com, which is H E X. D-A-N-S-E-N dot blogspot dot com. There I also have my email contact uh, that is official, that is open for people to use and to contact me if they would like to. Excellent, Sophia. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day to come on to the show and share what you have to share. Well, thank you so much. It was great fun to be here with you and, and to have you take this time. Thank you so much. Thank you for spending the time to listen to the show. If you want to learn more, check out sandseat.com. 
That's S-A-N-C-I-T dot com. Join Sanseat Group on Facebook and contact us if you have any questions. Until next time, have an awesome day and rock on. Thank you for listening to the show. If you find this show very interesting or want to listen to more, please subscribe to iTunes, Holistic Therapies by Sanseat or go to sanseat.com to subscribe there. If you really like the show, please leave a review or a rating on iTunes or a comment on facebook.com slash sanseat.